Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Thursday, July 2nd, 2020. On yesterday's program, I shared some disturbing news about hundreds of millions of Protestants entering into alliances with the Roman Catholic Church. This is not something that just happened last week or last month. It's been ongoing for many years. It goes all the way back to 1965 when the Roman Catholic Church uh, completed their Second Vatican Council in which they launched this major new ecumenical campaign to reach out to all the religions of the world to join them uh, under their umbrella to form this one world unified religion, placing themselves, of course, at the very head of it. And so they started having dialogue with all different religions, including Christian denominations. And in 1999, they had their first major breakthrough with a Protestant denomination when they signed an agreement with the Lutheran World Federation. And they've continued having uh, more uh, Protestant denominations join in alliance with them since that time. And that's what I mentioned uh, yesterday. I have a list of 23 of them that added up to 2.3 billion Protestants, but we know it can't be that many because there aren't that many. But the point is there are many, many, many Protestants that are in churches where their leadership is now on board openly in alliance with the Roman Catholic Church. And even though all the members of those churches may not have yet uh, settled the matter in their own hearts and minds as to how they believe on this, it's still a huge deal that their leaders have settled it and their leaders have taken this position and opened this door and are actively promoting this relationship uh, to the people who are under them. And so you have in these large organizations, you might have layers of leadership, but it makes a big difference when the person over you is uh, taking this position. And unless you have some uh, clear understanding and some reason to uh, go contrary to that, which you wouldn't be inclined to because you're already on board with this organization and you wouldn't want to uh, part ways uh, unnecessarily. You'd have to be something that you really feel strongly about to take a stand against those who are in authority over you. And so this is a very powerful thing that has happened, and it has already happened. It's not something that's coming in the future, but it makes a big difference because of the way God created us. He created us to have relationships. We're not created to live alone. He says in the scriptures that it's not good for man to live alone, and he created man to have relationships not only with him, but with other people. And whoever we choose to enter into relationships, it has an impact on our life. And so it's not just the things that we do in our own life, but it's the things that other people are doing if we have an established relationship with them. And for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it talks about an unbelieving husband is sanctified in the eyes of God by his believing wife. 
and vice versa, an unbelieving wife is sanctified in the eyes of God by her believing husband. And so, in other words, God has greater access to work in the life of a man who is an unbeliever if he's married to a believer. And so it's nothing that the man did on his own, just the fact that his wife is in relationship with God. That alone qualifies this man for some blessings from God that he would otherwise not have any access to. It doesn't mean he's received eternal life, but it it means he has a better chance, a much better chance of receiving eternal life because God has a foothold in that household. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul was able to say with confidence, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household because that's the way the relationships work. If God gets a foothold in the life of one through the relationships that that person has, especially close relationships, especially family relationships, God can then begin to work in that whole household and bring them all to salvation. And that is found in Acts 16, verse 31. And this is just the principle, the way God made things to work, and it's called partnership. So through this partnership relationship, We partake of the same rewards or the same consequences of mistakes. It works both ways. And another example of partnership is marriage, where the scripture says a man will leave his father and mother and join himself to his wife and the two become one flesh so that both of them are transformed through that relationship because they're partaking. One has strengths in one area that help overcome the weaknesses that the other has, and vice versa. But through that relationship, the two are changed because this is just how partnership works. And so when we apply these principles of partnership to these relationships that have been established by many Protestants with the Roman Catholic Church, we see that they are literally partaking of all that this Roman Catholic harlot stands for, regardless of the fact that there's deception, it is what it is. We are are held accountable for the relationships we choose to enter. And if we choose unknowingly, well, then we do so to our own detriment. But the consequences are real, and there are consequences. And that's why the Scripture warns us saying, come out of her, my people, lest you partake, lest you get the same reward that's coming to her. That's exactly what it's saying in Revelation 18, verses 4 and 5. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her plagues. And it goes on in verse 5, for her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, what's interesting to me there is it doesn't say anything about what we knew about her sins or what we remembered about her iniquities because it isn't based on that. If we're ignorant, if we're unaware, if we're deceived, 
If we're confused, it doesn't matter. We still receive her plagues if we've entered an alliance with her. We still share her sins because we chose to enter a partnership, an alliance with her. Because it's the partnership that makes all the difference. And to whom is this verse directed? It's to my people. He's speaking specifically to his people, those who have received him in their heart, those who have a personal relationship with him. He's telling those people, come out, because even though you're God's child, even though you're born again, even though his spirit resides on the inside of you, if you enter into a partnership with an ungodly harlot, if you willingly partake, you will receive the same plagues, the same terrible rewards that are coming upon this one. And so we're given the remedy, and there's only one remedy, is come out of her, break off all relationships, break those ties, renounce them, say it out loud, I'm coming out, I break it off, I'll have nothing to do with this harlot anymore, I didn't know before, but I know now, I know better, and I don't want to partake of what's coming to this harlot, because it's going to be terrible, it's going to be an outright judgment of God falling on her, and God is not going to be the one to do it for us. All he can do is sound the alarm, give us the clear instructions. The rest is up to us. We have to make the choice on our own to obey or disobey, to come out or stay in this relationship that he's clearly identified is not of him. And this was the very same message that was delivered by the evangelist Charles Spurgeon in 1858 when he was speaking at Surrey Music Hall in England. He warned the crowd because he saw that compromise had entered our camp. And now this was some 300 years after the start of the Protestant Reformation. And so the people were starting to forget the price that had been paid by their forefathers. And so Charles Spurgeon warned them, saying, the Protestantism of England is the paymaster of the Pope. I'm ashamed that the sons of the Reformers should bow themselves before the beast and give so much as a single farthing to the shrine of the devil's firstborn son. Take heed to yourselves, you Protestants, lest you be partakers of her plagues. Touch her not, lest you be defiled. Give a drachma to her, or a grain of incense to her censers, and ye shall be partakers of her adulteries and partakers of her plagues. Every time you pass the house of popery, let a curse light upon her head. Thus saith the Lord, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. And the title of his message that day was War, War, War. And oh, how much we need to know and remember and be reminded that we are in a war and our enemy is scheming. He's coming against us with all kinds of attacks, constantly trying to cause confusion, 
constantly trying to bring deception, constantly trying to capture our thinking and persuade us to go the wrong way. So we must fight back. We must stand firm against his attacks. And Charles Spurgeon understood the key to winning this battle was speaking up because he noted in his writings that if we would just uh, speak up and let the adversary know that we are well aware of what he's up to, that we would foil his schemes. And, and all he's saying there is exactly the very same thing that the Protestant reformers did. Martin Luther, John Knox, all those guys, that's what they did. They let it be known. They opened their mouth. They proclaimed boldly that the Pope is the head of a harlot religion. This Roman Catholicism is filled with the spirit of Antichrist. They held no punches. They said exactly what they believed. And because of that, they had great success in pushing back the darkness. And Charles Spurgeon is just reiterating that point. He's giving us a much-needed reminder because we've forgotten and we've fallen silent and there's no longer any voice of opposition. And as you can see in what he wrote here, it's just the clearest, most obvious thing to do. There should be no doubt, no ambiguity whatsoever. He says our ancient enemies have small belief in our common sense if they imagine that we shall ever be able to trust them after having so often beheld the depths of Jesuitical cunning and duplicity. The sooner we let certain archbishops and cardinals know that we are aware of their designs and will in nothing cooperate with them, the better for us and our country. Of course, we shall be howled at as bigots, but we can afford to smile at that cry when it comes from the church which invented the Inquisition. No peace with Rome is the motto of reason as well as of religion. Oh, how I would love to see a hundred thousand Charles Spurgeons rising up today in our generation. We desperately need people who will be willing, who will be bold enough to open their mouth and begin to expose the truth. Because that is the way that we're going to turn back this flood of darkness. Somebody's going to have to take a stand. Somebody's going to have to open up their mouth. Somebody's going to have to say the way it is and stop the foolishness. And to be honest, our confidence level has been shaken because we've been robbed of the facts of history. Because we haven't known what's happened in the past, we're not so sure what's really happening right now today or where all these events that are happening today are taking us. And in order to build up our confidence, we need to study. We need to hear the truth of history. We need to understand what's really happened in the past. We need to know the true nature of this harlot religion that's now sweeping the world. And it's a very big topic. There's a lot of history involved. There's a lot of events to learn about, but we need to start somewhere. It wasn't that long ago that I didn't know these things. I wasn't aware of these things. I'd been just as deceived as everyone else. 
But by the grace of God, he started leading me out. He started showing me the way. And as I just stayed on the trail and just kept following the path, it kept getting brighter and brighter. And I started seeing things clearer than I'd ever seen them before. And even to this very day, I just continue to marvel at the uh, gold mines that I come across. I, th I think to myself, how could these things be so abundantly everywhere uh, that I look? I'm finding so much evidence. How can it be so much evidence, but yet so much deception? How could these things be kept hidden from so many people? But it has been for me a shocking experience to realize that I lived so many years of my life without knowing what really has been happening throughout history, without seeing, without connecting the dots. And so it made a very big impression on me when I finally started seeing these things. And for that reason, I really got a kick out of it when I came across this testimony from a man named Emmett McLaughlin. He lived from 1907 to 1970, and he had been, for 15 years, he had been a Catholic priest. He resigned in 1948 at the age of 41. And I really liked what he was saying. I could really relate to it because he went through this same experience of not having known the truth of history. But then when he finally saw it, it shocked him. And I like his testimony even better than mine because he was an insider. He was a Catholic priest, and yet even he did not know these things. And he talks about how they were taught all kinds of other things about the virtues of the Catholic Church, but the history was always kept hidden from them. And so even though for 15 years he'd been a priest, he didn't know. And so then he wrote, one of the most violent shocks that I experienced upon leaving the Roman Catholic Church and its priesthood resulted from beginning to learn the true history of that spiritual family of whose heritage I had once been so proud. It is a tremendous tribute to the skill of the Catholic hierarchy's inner circle that it is able to keep the faithful and its quote-unquote educated clergy in such contented and abysmal ignorance of its own history. And it gets even better because he continues and he says, I felt much like the descendant of a proud, princely, distinguished, and honored family who suddenly discovers his true family tree in a trunk in the garret, whatever a garret is, I don't know, a trunk or... Anyway, he discovers his true family tree and discovers that on almost every limb were hung murderers, liars, cheats, robbers, extortionists, bandits, pimps, prostitutes, and every other species of evildoer. It was like entering an historical museum of criminology, and I wandered from room to room, from century to century, in this ecclesiastical waxworks, stumbling unbelievingly over recreations of crime, vice, and moral corruption that made pagan Rome and Greece seem angelic by comparison. 
And I really like Emmett McLaughlin's quotes. I can really relate to what he's gone through. And I'm so glad to know other people are experiencing something similar to what I've experienced in the last few years. And if you have not experienced that, what he described as the most violent shock, uh, when he realized that history was completely different than anything he'd ever heard before, and he had to then go back and unlearn things and discover uh, the truth of these horrible crimes that have been taking place for centuries and are continuing even in our day and will continue until the Lord returns. If you have not yet experienced that, then I would encourage you to just keep listening to these podcasts because I am going to be covering uh, history in ways that the I know that the American people have not heard, and I'm referring to major events in history, such as the American Civil War. I'm going to be presenting the truth of the Civil War that we never heard before. It's been censored from our hearing. We weren't allowed to know. And it goes on World War I, World War II, the Vietnam War, all of these things, all of these events that uh, historians call mysteries of history. No, they're not mysteries at all once you start connecting the dots. And it's going to sound so different. It sounded so different to me when I first started hearing these things, but I went and I investigated. And so I haven't just taken anyone else's word for anything. Every time I've come across these new understandings, I have dug into it and I have challenged it and I have been amazed to find the truth. You know, there's so many things that have happened in the course of our nation's history that have not made any sense at all. And we kind of shrug our shoulders and move on and say, well, whatever. But we don't have to settle for whatever. We can actually have a clear, crystal clear understanding of what has really happened. And when we do, all these things fall into place and for the first time begin to make sense. The challenging part is hearing these things for the first time There's a tendency, because it is so different, there's a tendency to want to just dismiss it outright and say, no way. That's just no way that's possible. But if you're willing to do your homework and go dig in like I've been doing, challenge it and see for yourself. And you're going to be amazed. And I believe this is a blessing from God that he wants us to be uh, full of understanding of what's really happening in the world with no deception, no blinders, but full knowledge and awareness of the scheme of the enemy and what he's done in the past and what we know he will be doing in the future based on the scriptures, but also on the historical patterns of the past. All right, well, I think that's a good place to stop for today. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long.